All right, let's pray. Father, I just... Lord, I don't know what to say to you sometimes. My heart's just so overwhelmed by your goodness and your patience with me and your love toward me and everybody in your word. And God, with my life, I want to say thank you. With my words, I want to say thank you and I want to follow your Holy Spirit, Lord, the best I know how. And I just pray that you would just give us strength and that our lives would center around you and we would you would just be our main focus and we would just begin to understand our sin and your love put together in Jesus name we pray amen so admittedly uh, I studied a lot for for this uh, message and um I just kind of, my heart was just kind of opened up to something about it that just kind of left me speechless, and I finally recognized why why you study or, or or why you just dig in, and it's more about your what than it is your how when you speak, and so I just focused on that and. The more I read into it, and the more God revealed to me in His Word, the more I fell in love with it. And so I went to bed last night craving God's Word. It was like, it was like when I put it down and I, I, I closed it, it was like I felt something leaving me. Like I missed it already. It was so crazy because I feel like, like that's how it was when I first got saved. And I was, I was talking to Kylie not so long ago, and I was like, I was like, do you remember what it was like when you when you first gave your life to Christ? And I was like, she just asked me why, and I was like, I can't remember. I can't I can't think back and 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 just remember how I felt and, and remember how it was and. And I'm not that way anymore. Like, what's wrong? And so, and so I, I talked to this guy at work. He's uh, struggling, struggling with his with his marriage and some things going on there. And uh, I felt God just telling me, take him to lunch. So I took him to lunch, and we talked. And it was like I felt the Holy Spirit telling me, you know, what to tell him, and. We were just talking, and he was confessing things to me, and I just, I felt for him. I was like, man, I feel for you. And I just, the words that were coming out, I promise you, were not my own. I wasn't like, you know, hypnotized or anything, but it was just like, I just felt like I needed to tell him some things. And when I started telling him these things, he got really quiet. He got really, really quiet, but not like a shutting down kind of quiet, but like a quiet, and you could see the hunger in his eyes, and you could see that something was really happening in his heart, that he was really, like his eyes were opened. And when I told him, I told him, you, you put God first, and what that means, 
And I told him that that God comes before your wife. He comes before your job. He comes before everything else. Why? Because there's nothing that's going to satisfy that hunger in your soul. There's nothing that's going to do that besides Jesus Christ. And I told him when he... When I told him that he wasn't going to find that in anything else and not even his job, his eyes lit up. And was just like, I see. I know what you're talking about. I'm just so nervous. And, I, and so I just sat there. I just left it at that. And I said, I just felt the tension rise all of a sudden. I said, is your heart about to pound out of your chest? He said, you have no idea. And I just left it at that. And that's what I remembered, what it was like. It's like, now I remember what it was like because I was so hungry for something and then I found him. I found the answer. I found the bread of life. I found the living water that was going to satisfy my soul. I didn't know what I was searching for, but I knew I wasn't finding it in sex, drugs, alcohol, friendships, relationships, anything else. I wasn't finding it there. The only place I found it was in Him. He satisfied me. And that's when I remember, and I was reading His Word, and I just didn't want to put it down because I didn't want to forget again. I always want to remember this. I always want to feel that fire inside of me. I always want to feel satisfied with His food, with His water with nothing else in this world. And I realized that I was trying to find it in the world again, and I I was missing His Word. His Word was not satisfying my life because I wasn't in it. And I was just thinking today, we we talk about technology and all this other kind of things, how certain things are so cool, and we got the latest uh, and greatest cars and all these other kind of things, and and these things are really cool, and they're intriguing, and and we want more of them. We're like, man, I wonder what the next iPhone's going to look like and all this kind of stuff. And I was, just, I was just thinking, I'm like, the greatest thing that I've ever held in my hands or could ever want is God's Word. And that is the craziest thing. I started thinking about that. It is amazing. It really is truly amazing that we have a book that tells us about the one true God who wants to satisfy our every need and who wants to forgive us of our sin and fulfill our every need. That is crazy. That is crazy. So let's dive into that. Let's talk about that. So we've been in this series called Faith, which is, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually come true. And what we hope for is what God promised. And we understand that God never, ever breaks His promises. It will always come through. So that's where our hope lies. And that's what faith is. We trust in that. We trust in the future that, that when Jesus died for our sins, that when we die, we will be forgiven. We will spend eternal uh, we will spend eternity with Jesus and, and God in heaven. But we're going to be, we're going to continue on. Last week we talked about Enoch. This week we're going to talk about Noah. And so let's go ahead and start there. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 says, It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. So we're going to read about what exactly Noah went through, what exactly Noah's life looked like. And we're going to be uh, in Genesis chapter 6 to read about that, see, 
See what it means by that he built a large boat and that he obeyed God and that his, right, that his faith created righteousness in him. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 6, starting in verse 9. His story goes from chapter, the, end of, the very end of chapter 5, which is where we talked about Enoch. He was the very last person mentioned in that little thing where it's talked about Mahalalel and all the other guys that lived 10,000-something years. So he's at the very end, and it talked about him there. And it was talking about his faith already. It was just talking about Noah's a special guy. And so then it, it continues on, and now we're in chapter 6, starting in verse 9. And it goes all the way until chapter, the end of chapter 9, talking about his story. We're just going to read uh, in 6, verses 9 through 22. We're just going to go, um, just kind of, we're not going to pick it apart, but we're just going to learn about what Noah's life meant. Verse 9 says, This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof and all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. So, the first thing we see about faith, which is kind of what we saw about Enoch, is that faith will set your life apart. Faith will make you different. It will make you look different because your intentions, your eyes, your heart is focused on something totally different than the world's heart and eyes are focused on. The world's heart and eyes were focused on violence. And it talked about in, in a couple of chapters before how there were giants and, and they took, uh, they were the sons of God who took uh, women that were very beautiful and they, you know, they made, they made a lot of children. Well, they were taking any, any woman that they saw as their wife and they were, they were filled with corruption and, and lust and, and violence and all these other kind of things. And it just, it just kind of uh, folded on top of each other after Adam and Eve sinned. And then you had Cain and Abel who, uh, Cain killed Abel and all these kind of things. And, and it just kept building. All the corruption kept building. Sin kept building up. Sin was ruling on the earth. And so all their eyes and all their hearts, everybody's hearts and eyes were focused on sin because it felt good, because it was easy, because it was the thing to do. And then there was one person. His name was Noah. It says that he was the only blameless person on the earth at the time. The only one. He was the only one. So tell me, do you feel like that sometimes? When you're fighting for God, when, when, you're trying to, when you're trying to live a life that is pleasing to God and you feel like you're all alone? Or how about this? That you know exactly what God is calling you to do, yet your friends are doing something else. The whole, all the, the crowd is going one way, and you know you should be going the other, but instead of stepping up and being bold, you keep going with it. You keep going with the crowd. And so God called this only blameless person on the earth, Noah, called him 
to build a boat because he saw that the world was corrupt and it truly broke God's heart. It says, the, the Bible says that he regretted making man. I don't know what all that means. All I know is that everybody's heart, everybody's eyes were focusing on sin, and it broke God's heart. He did not like it. He wanted them to focus on Him. He wanted them to, to live with Him, walk with Him, just like Noah did. It says that Noah was blameless, and he walked with God. He walked with God. He had communion with God. He was, he was a companion of God. And so he, because he saw all this corruption in the world, he told, he told Noah to build a boat. He said, I want you to build a boat that's 450 feet long, yada, yada, yada. This is a huge boat, a huge boat to build out of wood. A lot of people actually skepticize about this, that, that because you know, they don't have modern technology, so on and so forth, that it was impossible to build a boat this size without modern technology and you know, like cranes and all this other kind of stuff. But he built a boat. He did. And that made him stand out even more. Not only will your faith make you feel alone sometimes, it will set you apart, it will make you unique, your life will be holy compared to others as in set apart. Not only will that happen, but your faith will call you to do things that are crazy. Your faith will call you to do things that, that not everybody else will understand. And you know in your heart, you are so convinced in your heart that God is calling you to do that, that you don't care what anybody else thinks. You go for it. God called him to build a boat that was 450 feet long. That is crazy. That is a giant boat in a place where it had never flooded. In a place where there's really no need for a boat that size. But he did it anyway. He was bold. I witnessed uh, someone being bold, and, I, and it was crazy. It came up on this. I didn't know I was preaching on Noah uh, or that, that this was going to happen in, in Noah. But Thursday, this past Thursday, right after I preached on Enoch, I, I went to the, the pole thing where they, they pray, the National Day of Prayer, and I went to the, to the flagpole and mid the pole, whatever. And uh, I went with uh, the youth pastor of First Baptist. His name is Corey Hughes. And so we ate breakfast that morning, and we went there. And first thing we did when we walked in, there was, some, there was some students talking and everything. And I don't know why, but I got really nervous. I was like, man, I haven't been in high school in a minute, man. It's been a long time. And I'm not cool no more. They don't know me like, you know, like the people used to know me. You know, like I can't just walk up in here like I'm something. You know, like I don't even know these people. And he's up and hey, what's up, guys? Hey, you know, like, hey, man, you funny. I like you. And, hey, what y'all do? You know, y'all go to class? You know, what school? You, you know, all this kind of stuff. He's just talking to everybody, and then he just rounds everybody. No one's, I mean, I thought there was going to be some kind of structure to this, you know, prayer at the pole thing. I'm just kind of waiting on the principal to walk out or something, you know, somebody to head it up or whatever. No one heads it up. He just gathers everybody around. I'm just like, okay, I know y'all are thinking, oh, that's not that bold. Yeah, it is. It really is. Because... What he did was, and the whole football team came out, then people that did not believe in God were right there. And he calls them over to pray with us. And then, I mean, before I know it, there's like 40 or 50 people surrounding us. Probably more than half of them are not really true followers of Christ. And he's talking boldly about the Word of God. 
He's throwing words out there like evil. He's throwing words out there like, like corruption and sin. And, and this, is, this is a generation of people who's like, you know, like, who cares? You know, like, who cares about this stuff? You know, I want to go get high. Like, I, I don't care about, about what you think about you and your God because it's not true anyway. Evolution is true, so, you know, screw God. I mean, you know, screw the Bible. It doesn't matter. You know, like, we're in that kind of generation where it doesn't matter. And he gathers people up, and they, they seem to just kind of be focused in it, and he prays out loud in a place where there's kids walking everywhere. And, you guys, it doesn't seem like it's that bold, but it, to me, to me, this was a huge deal because I would not have done that. I would not have gathered the students around and just been like, hey, y'all huddle up in groups about four or five or six and pray for your school. I would not have done that. And I was sweating. It was cold. The wind was blowing and it was like 40-something degrees. I'm like sweating because I'm nervous for him. And the fact that I'm standing next to him, like I wanted to go blend in with the students. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I still got like a little baby face going. I have a little bit of a beard. But the guys out there, the guys that I was around, had bigger beards than I did. And I was like, man, this is ridiculous. I feel like. But I'm looking, I'm like, man, that's bold. That's bold. He stood out. He was different. And we can't even have a conversation with people sometimes. We are so scared what people think about us and I have I have an idea why just based on what I was thinking about last night because if I am so tuned in with the Holy Spirit and I love God's word with all of my heart about like I did last night all of a sudden my fear of what people think about me goes in the background. I have no idea where it goes because my heart is so in love with what God is saying and I am so convinced that it's true because the Holy Spirit is convincing me of that and I can feel Him. I'm like, man, this is true. This is more real than anything I can put my hands on. This is how real it is. So it makes me not scared to talk to somebody about it. It makes me like, man, I really want to tell these people about this. And it's crazy. So Noah builds this ark. He is bold. He is unique. He is set apart. He is alone in this fight. And if you feel like you're alone in this fight, a lot of times when, when, when you're putting faith first and, and you're like, man, I just want to follow Jesus. I just want to follow Jesus. It will call you to do things that are outside of your comfort zone and it will make you feel alone. And sometimes that is very scary. And sometimes that is extremely discouraging extremely discouraging to the point where you're like, man, I'm coming to church and I don't even feel like I have a home. I, I come to church and I still feel like I don't have a place to fit in. Man, I'm in church and I'm trying to follow Jesus and I still look different than some people because I feel like some people don't understand what it means to follow after Christ. I, still, I feel like people don't really understand what it means to truly follow after God and do His will and have full faith in what the Bible says. You feel alone everywhere, sometimes even in church. 
Because there's a bunch of half-hearted people believing in a half-truth. It's watered down. And they're like, you know what? Coming to church, you know, yeah, I have faith. I feel like I'm going to heaven. But you're not truly striving after what God is calling you to do. That's what faith is. It's when you put your trust and you put your hope in God and He calls you to do something and you obey. Hebrews 11.7 says that, that Noah built a large boat to save his family. He obeyed God who warned him about things that never happened before where he lived. Ever, actually, where everybody lived. Your faith will call you to do things that are not necessarily fun, but it will take you on a journey that is more climactic, more real. It It is more adventurous. It's a journey that you cannot even sit down and write on a piece of paper and imagine it. It is so real and so great and everything about it is so challenging and so amazing. You cannot picture, you cannot imagine a journey like faith will take you on. You can't do it. That's how amazing it is. And if your life is not like that, you may not have faith. If you're, if you're in your, your, your walk with Christ and you don't feel challenged by that, you don't feel like He's calling you anywhere? You don't feel His Holy Spirit calling you to do things like that? You may not be walking with Him. And I'm telling you, true faith will be like that. True faith will set you apart. True faith will call you to do things that you don't want to do. And so He built a boat. And God told him, that I'm going to bring a flood that's going to wipe out every living thing. But, build this boat, save two of everything, and I'll make a covenant with you. You and your, fam- you and your wife, and their- your sons and their wives, will go on this boat and you will be saved because you are blameless in my sight. And so the flood comes. According to some of the timelines in the Bible, that people are saying that it probably took anywhere between 55 and 75 years to build this boat. It's a really, 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 really long time. I've been a Christian June 2nd. The date doesn't matter. I just happen to remember it. But this coming June 2nd, it'll be seven years. And it's, it's been hard. And I just can't imagine building a boat and living out my faith like that for 55 to 75 years and not giving up. That's amazing. That is awesome. So after 75 years, give or take, the flood comes. And for 40 days and for 40 nights, it rains, and the waters below the earth burst forth, which that is probably talking about like volcanoes, like like lava and water, the, the groundwater all bursting up. You guys, this, is, this flood is not this cute little picture we like to paint for, you know, for kids. This flood was something serious. This was, this was for real. This was real talk, like scariest thing you've probably ever seen. Kinda, I mean, like this huge, huge waves, just the biggest range off you've ever seen. I'm talking about just 40 days and 40 nights of water rising like rapidly rising. The Bible says that, that, 
that it, the water raised 22 feet above the highest mountain on earth. In 40 days. This puts Katrina like this. This flood was absolutely nuts. We cannot think about how just catastrophic this flood was. And you can just imagine these waters just crashing in and, you, and they're looking out over the boat and, and they can see these things. They can see there's people dying. Every living thing on earth is dying. There, the tectonic plates are shifting. There's earthquakes. There's hurricanes. I mean, it's like everything all in one. There's volcanoes erupting. This flood changed the earth forever. Because this floods, now we have huge mountains as tall as Everest and deep ocean floors that are way longer than a mile deep. This flood changed everything forever. Our climates depend on this flood. The way the earth, the way the continents are, was because of the flood. This flood was serious. But here's the thing. This story is not all about the flood. We like to talk about it. We like to talk about how he built the ark, how he was bold, and all this other kind of stuff. But you don't know what the meaning behind it? The meaning, the meaning behind the flood, you see, the waters, the flood, everything that happened, the volcanoes, the crashing waves, everything that happened, God was demonstrating just how bad sin is. Just how much it breaks his heart. I love what Corey Hughes said at our National Day of Prayer, the meeting at nighttime at the Civic Center. He said, and I'm guilty of calling it this, but what he said really changed the way I look at it. He said, sin is not just a mistake. Sin is not just a slip up. It's not something you just get a little tap on the wrist and go on about your business. Sin is for real. Sin breaks the heart of God. Sin equals death. That is how serious sin is. And the ark, I was thinking, I was thinking to myself, in the Old Testament, there's got to be something about Jesus in there, right? There's got to be some symbolism in there. And I thought, man, Noah, what what about Noah? And I'm just kind of trying to fabricate things on my own. I'm trying to be like, you know, how can I make this sermon sound good kind of thing? Well, what about Noah? And then, then I just felt God like humble me and was just like, it wasn't Noah, It was the ark. The ark was the symbol of salvation to them. The ark was was just a huge symbol of grace. The sin was great, but his love was greater. And you know what makes Noah unique? It wasn't that he was blameless. Because we like to think, you know, Noah was blameless and, and, and God looked upon him with favor. And because, the way, because Noah was the way he was, that's why God used him. No, Noah recognized just how bad his sin actually was. Noah saw and Noah felt that his sin broke God's heart. And he realized that he needed to live according to God's way so that he could live. 
Because he saw that his sin led to death. His sin led to misery. His sin led to destruction. His sin was not good at all. Not a single sin will lead you to a better place. He recognized that. And he was the only one. And just imagine what he's trying to tell other people like, you guys, like, your sin is leading you to death. Your sin is not good. Your sin is, is separating you from God, the one who created you. And I walk with him every day, and he loves you so much. Would you just stop? Would you just follow after God? He loves you. And your sin is killing you. You're going to die. You're going to be separated from God forever. He recognized just how bad his sin actually was. And I heard something. Kayla and Dawn said this the other day. They said from, from the conference that they went to, one of the speakers said, the degree to which you understand your forgiveness will be the degree to which you worship. You see, we can't understand. We cannot fully grasp the gravity of our sin. We will look back at our lives. We will look back at all the bad things we've done. We look back at all the times that we know and we deliberately sinned against God. We felt Him tell us, do not do this. Do not do this. It will lead you to a worse place. We felt him, and we turned the other way. All those times, all the times you didn't know you sinned, all the times that you did it on purpose, all those bad things that you've done, we cannot wrap our minds around that. We cannot fully grasp. We cannot fully understand and, and just kind of let that sink in. And, and we, we cannot wrap our minds around that. But you know what it does? It overwhelms us. We're like, God, I've done so much bad to you, I can't even describe it. I can't even wrap my mind around I can't even remember all the bad things I've done to you. I've done so many things. And then he comes to you with the ark. He says, but I have grace and I have love. The song, come to the altar, says, are you hurting and broken within Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin, Jesus is calling. Your sin will overwhelm you to the point where you you just break down. You're like, God, I seriously do not know how you still love me. I seriously cannot comprehend the patience that you show for me. This was eight 10,000 years ago, and he still has patience for us. We still act the same way that those people did. We act as if God doesn't exist about five to six days out of seven in our week. We don't follow him. We don't return the love that he shows us to him. We don't read his word that he so graciously gives to us. You see how much patience he has? So much kindness. And that kindness, that grace, that love is meant to lead us to repentance. To say, sin is bad. I hate sin because it kills me. I hate sin because it leads me to a worse place. I hate sin because I'm miserable when I do it. I hate sin because it never, ever, ever satisfies. Ever. It will never, ever satisfy that hunger that's in your soul. Yet we keep chasing after it. And we say that sin is better. God is not good. Do you see how good God is? 
He doesn't just want you to follow a bunch of rules. He's saving you. That's why it's called salvation. He has so much grace and kindness and patience toward us, even in our sin, that He was willing to die for us. All that sin that we feel overwhelming us, you may even be feeling it right now, making your heart pound out of your chest because you know you've done wrong and you just want God's love. All that sin, He took it on the cross so that that burden that we feel on our shoulders in this life can be lifted off so that He could walk with us daily. He promises to walk with us daily. He promises to guide us, to comfort us, to counsel us, to love us unconditionally, to forgive us every time we wrong. That's an amazing promise. And He's calling you to that promise. He's calling you to put faith in that and live with Him, walk with Him, have faith in Him and Him alone. Will you do it? That's the only question. Will you do it? Your sin overwhelms you, doesn't it? Your sin is overwhelming you to you, maybe even right now. You may feel that weight on you right now. He will forgive you. He will be there for you. He says, I have grace. And you put your faith in me. And I'll forgive you. And I will give everything to you that I promised that I would. I will give you salvation. And you get to live with me forever. If you feel like he's calling you to that tonight, don't put it off. Those people that died in the flood, they were putting it off. We don't want to hear that sometimes. We don't want to hear that that our sin could actually lead to death and our sin is actually bad and that God actually judges that. But it's true. Don't put it off. If you're a Christian and you feel that overwhelming weight of your sin and you forgot what it was like to walk with God because you're just going through a hard time, you're struggling with sin, you feel like it's winning, You feel the weight of everybody going this way and you're trying to go this way. You're trying to live a blameless life. Let Him remind you that He is your strength. Come to Him. I'm going to pray. I just invite you to listen to what God's telling you in your heart. Have that faith. Be bold. Don't put it off. It's not worth it. Father, I just want to thank you God, I want to thank you for the fact that when we put our faith in you, all that sin, all that sin that we felt, all that sin that you see in our lives, God, you wipe that away. We have a clean slate and you count us as righteous. You count us as, as if we have never sinned before because we put our faith in your Son who nailed all of our sin on the cross God, help us to see the gravity of that. God, help us to see exactly what Jesus did for us so that we would be broken to the point where we're on our knees begging you to forgive us, begging you for your grace. 
Help us, God, to see that so that our hearts are broken. So they can see just how much you love us. God, help us to embrace your love and not reject it. Help us to do that tonight, God. May you just speak to hearts, and I pray that you would be glorified. God, I pray that you would be lifted high, that we would decrease and that you would increase in every area of our lives. God, when there is a sin in our life that we don't recognize yet, God, bring that to the surface so we can get it out. We don't want our sin, Lord. We want you. We want every part of our life to be about you. God, what we do on a daily basis, our jobs, God, the way we talk to people, the way we are in our relationships and our marriages, God, we want that all to be about you, all to be about what you did for us. That's what we want, God. We don't want anything less because everything else is is way less compared to what you did for us, compared, compared to the life that you're calling us to. I pray that we would only live the life that you called us to. And that that life would be a life of faith and that we would be bold in our approach to to what you're calling us to. And that we would lean on you and depend on you for every ounce of our strength along the way. God, that is our prayer. And God, we will not stop until our 55 or 75 years is done and that that ark is built. And that we see that, that that promise is there and that we see that you were there all the way through when we were building it, and that it wasn't about us, and it was about you, and about your salvation, and about our faith in you, and how your grace covers our sin. It was about that the whole time. May our life be that. May our life be a complete picture of the gospel, and nothing less. God, that's what we want. Help us to see that. Help us to embrace that life. Amen.